Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Just so you know why I'm wearing this poncho tonight. I got a bit of a dare upstairs because I I brought these last night because we went to the rugby, me and my wife, and we thought it might rain on the walk back to the, the motel. So we brought a couple of ponchos. And while I was upstairs... Your pastor dared me to make this a part of the sermon tonight. So the whole way through worship, I was like, how can I do it? And I feel like I've got it down. I feel like we, we, we really can use this as a sermon prop to see the Lord glorified in Jesus' name. But see, tonight I want to talk to you about a topic called It's Your Time. So I really believe for this church, and uh, as I spoke this morning, I spoke on expectations, and, and I said there's a new level, a new, new wave of souls and miracles coming into this church. There's a new tide line coming. I don't know if you, uh, when a king tide comes in, it goes past the last tide line to take more ground. And I just believe for your life, for this church, for this community, that you're about to take more ground in Jesus' name. But it's not going to happen if Pastor Ben is the only person that says it's my time. But it will happen if every single one of us make a decision to stand up and declare that, no, it's my time. And see, tonight, sometimes in life, through disappointment, through situations, through things that are going on in our lives, that we can try to protect our heart, protect our life, protect our mind. And we can put things, we can clothe ourselves in different situations that stops us embracing the presence of God. But see, I'm here to tell you tonight that it's your time. See, you can't live restricted. You can't live behind this anymore. But you have to rip it off tonight. Hey, babe, did you like that? Hey. (laughs) You rip it off. You take it. You need to leave it at the altar tonight so you can move forward into all that Jesus Christ has for you. It's your time time in the book of Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and 19. I'm going to read this scripture to you tonight but it says this, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Who is it upon? See sometimes in life we think that the spirit of the Lord is upon the pastor, which it is. Sometimes we think it's just the pastor that has the spirit of the Lord upon them. But if you have called upon the name of Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Saviour, well, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. So when you go out into your workplace this week, you're not going out by yourself, but Jesus, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is there with you. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it goes on to say this, for, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. See, it's not just me that can bring the good news to the poor. But see, I can't go into your workplace. But you can. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me. He hasn't told us to sit. He hasn't told us to stay. He hasn't told us to get comfortable. He hasn't told us to be, what was it, sluggish? Sluggards. But he has sent us in Jesus' name. To proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and um, that the oppressed will be set free in the time of the Lord's favour has come. See, tonight He is appointed. He has anointed. He has chosen every single one of us to stand up in our God-given authority. 
Not in our, not, not, not in our human arrogance, but in our God-given authority to take His Word out into this world. It's your time. Oh, I remember back in year seven, I, we had the swimming carnival. And when I went to school, there was a, um, you know, year seven was the highest grading of primary school. And I, I really thought it was my time, Pastor Ben. And I woke up in the morning, it was the, it was the swimming carnival. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take it to the next level this year. And I went to the top drawer and I, I opened it up and I moved the boardies to the side. And I picked out the Speedos. I packed them into my bag and said, you need to understand tonight, they just weren't Speedos, but they were gold Speedos. Because I was going for gold. I, I, it was my day to stand up. It was my day to, 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 to step forward. And, and I packed them into my bag and I went to the swimming carnival and we're cheering, painting our faces, having a great day. And then the call comes over, the big loudspeaker. Year 7, 50 meter race for the boys, please go get ready. I'm like, yes. Walk down to the lockers and I open my bag and I get my Speedos out and I place them on and I put the towel around me. And as I'm walking out to the blocks, I'm starting to wave to people and saying, hey, write to me, call me, drop over. Facebook, Twitter and all that wasn't available back then. And, and, and I get to the blocks. And everyone's cheering, and I, I drop the towel. And everyone's like, ooh. Like, there was just this, like, this silence across the crowd. I hop up to the blocks. And I grab the blocks, and the guy says, on your marks. So I grab the blocks, and I just saw it. I'd have, like, a, a sneaky little check to make sure everything was all good. So, so, so I look down towards my waist. And there's one thing that is very important when, when you wear Speedos. There's one thing that holds it up. There's one thing called a drawstring that makes sure they stay above your hips. And as I looked down, I realized that there was no drawstring. My heart sunk. And then all of a sudden, bang, the gun went. And I, started, I just leaked out into the air. I didn't even mean it, but it frightened me so much. And as I was flying through the air, all I could hear, I believe I can fly. I can fly, I believe I can touch the sky. I think about you every night and day. I spread my wings and fly away, yeah. I believe I can soar, I can soar. I believe I can fly, I can fly. I believe I can fly, I can fly. I believe I can fly, yeah. And as Thank you very much. And as I hit the water, no joke, my Speedos went from my hips to my ankles. Like the, 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 the whole race, the whole race, here I was. The whole race. By the time I finally got to the end of the pool and I touched the wall, they had done all age champions. They had given out all the ribbons. All the marquees had packed down. All the buses were gone. And the principal's there saying, it's all right, Grant. It's all right. You know, when I got water baptized a couple of years later, it was really a tra traumatic time for me, you know. Um, really took, they held me down for a long time just to make sure I could go back underwater again. But see, the truth is, tonight have I ever jumped in a pool again? Of course I have. But I've just never worn Speedos because they are from the pit of hell. 
But see, we need to understand tonight that sometimes disappointment stops us from actually moving forward in life. But see, tonight it's time to get rid of that disappointment. It's time to get rid of that hurt. It's time to get rid of that unforgiveness. It's time to get rid of that stuff that's been holding onto your spirit for far too long and say, God, you know what? Enough's enough. I can't live with this anymore, but I need to walk in freedom in Jesus' name. Yeah, my beautiful wife down the front here. Beck, if you'd like to stand up just for one second, please. Give us a wave. She's my princess. She's my best friend. And you know, the truth is I would not be standing here tonight if it wasn't for her. See, back in the year 2001, I I, want to show you a photo tonight of what I looked like back in the year 2000. Here I am. 55 kilos, a drug addict, alcoholic, totally lost, not knowing what to do with my life. See, I I grew up in a a great family. My my mum and dad, they cared for me. They loved me. My two older brothers, they used to show love by locking me in cupboards and laying their hands on me. Who's an older sibling here tonight? Yeah, you know what I mean. They're my best friends. I love them. But I still remember the day on July the 4th, 1989. When I came home from school and found out that my dad had had a heart attack and passed away. See, as a 10-year-old boy, I blamed God. I blamed my mum. I blamed my brothers. And I blamed this world for taking him away. After three weeks of just uncontrollable crying, one day I said, this hurt, this pain is not going to touch me anymore. And I pushed those feelings down towards my dad so deep down inside my life that I wiped all memory of him. At the age of 12, I started smoking. By the time I got to 13, I was drinking every weekend. By the time I got to 14, I was smoking marijuana most afternoons of the week. By the time I got to 15, I was in the illicit drug scene. I'd, I dropped out of school and I was in the illicit drug scene all the way through to the age of 22. When I first met Beck, I looked like this guy. When she came to, to the counter of my bakery where I worked, It was pretty interesting. I still remember what she was wearing. She was wearing these beautiful grey slacks with white and pink pinstriping down them. She had this beautiful white blouse on. She had these little uh, maroon glasses on and she was just gorgeous. But I remember as she came to get a job, I elbowed my boss and said, if you do not hire her, I quit. (laughs) And you can understand why. But it wasn't just that she was beautiful. There was something different about her. Well, when I first met her, I was like, wait a sec. She's not just drop dead gorgeous, but there is something different about her. There was joy flowing out of her. There was life flowing out of her. There was happiness oozing out of her. And see, that year, I ended up chasing back to church one weekend, not knowing that Jesus Christ was about to heal me and set me free. Flirt to convert works sometimes. <laughs> but she wasn't flirting. She was just converting. And you can understand why, because I I looked like that dude. And you can take that photo down now, but people have had enough looking at the freaky dude. And Good Friday 2001, I I walked into a building very similar to this, a drug addict, alcoholic. Pastor at the end of the service said, if you'd like to give your life to Christ, my hand went up so quick. And I walked from the back row all the way to the front row and surrendered my life to Jesus. And in a moment, I was completely healed and set free. All because of a young lady said, it's my time. You know, that year, 
Beck invited nine people from her university and workplace to church. All got saved, all got water baptized, all started following Christ. All because she said, it's my time. You know, tonight we might have 100, 120 people here. Imagine if we all just did that to two people this year. Imagine the transformation that we could see in our world. If we made decisions to say, you know what, it's my time to step up. You know, in the book of uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And see, I don't know if you understand this, but we have nothing to be ashamed about because the gospel is the gospel that heals. The gospel is the gospel that sets free. The gospel is the gospel that brings forgiveness, grace, love, and mercy. We have nothing to be ashamed of, church. But why do we hide Jesus? If you have a look in the book of Genesis chapter 3, here is Adam and Eve and, and they, they, they eat from the tree, good and evil. And, and then God that afternoon comes down to the garden. He's walking through and he's looking through and he's like, where are they? He's calling out to them, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? So Adam walks out and says, we're here. And God says, why did you hide? Because we were ashamed. See, shame makes us hide. When we are ashamed... We hide. When we are ashamed, we duck behind our, our unforgiveness. When, when we are ashamed, we will always hide our lives, our secret life of Christianity to the public. But if we have truly been set free, if we have truly been forgiven, if we have truly been saved in Jesus' name, it's time to let go of that. Let go of that pride and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love in the book of Nehemiah. Here is Nehemiah and he sees what's, what's happening to the city. And in, in chapter 1, he, he sees the pain of the walls that have fallen down, but not just the walls that have fallen down, the people that are getting, that, 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 that are getting taken out, the people that are getting hurt, the people that, that are getting robbed, the people that are getting attacked, that the walls were there to protect. In chapter 2, he comes up with a plan. And then in chapter 3, he fulfills the purpose God had given to him. To rebuild the walls. See, if you read that verse and, and that scripture, I think it's around 46 different tribes that came together to rebuild the walls in 52 days. It's absolutely unbelievable what happened. But they understood that it was their time to stand up. They understood that I can't sit here and allow the enemy to continue to attack my city. But it's my time to stand up and see my walls, the walls of righteousness rebuilt. And church, we can't be silent about the things of God. We can't be silent about our relationship with Jesus. We can't, I am so, so passionate about this. Because everyone else wants a voice in this world. And I'm not saying shut down other people's voices. Because everyone is allowed an opinion. But the truth is, the church has gone silent. The church has gone quiet. And we mustn't anymore. Because it's our time to stand up in Jesus' name. You have a look in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here is David. He goes out to the front line. And here he is. The, the, the Israelites, the army of God is on one side. They are hiding. They are fearful. They are scared. They are ashamed. And on the other side, there's this big oompa loompa I called him called Goliath. And here he is for 40 days and 40 nights. He is yelling out. He is yelling abuse towards the army of God. If you send someone to fight me, and if they win, we'll be your slaves. But if 
I when you will be our slaves. For 40 days and 40 nights, he threatened the army of God. David gets to the front line and says, you know what, this isn't good enough. As a young teenage boy, he doesn't just sit there, but he makes a decision to stand up, step out, walk out and take down this giant. You know, tonight, what is the giant in your life that you need to take out? It's time to step up to it. That intimidation that's been holding you back, it's time to step up to it. That addiction that no one else knows about that's been running rife in your life, it's time to step up to it and say enough's enough. It's time to step up to your giant of intimidation, fear, and go, you know what? It's time that that, 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 that head of that giant is gone so I can move forward into all that Jesus has for me. You know, this morning I was talking about my, my little, oh, my, my old girl now, my oldest girl, She's Tan Riley, and she's an absolute gun. You know, this year, she's trying to read the Bible in one year. Like, as a 10-year-old girl, it's unbelievable. She, she continues to step out in faith and pray for people and see them healed. As a 10-year-old girl, you know, I just love that faith and the anointing of God has no age brackets or boundaries. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. But see, what I didn't share with you this morning, there's been a massive battle through her whole life with sickness. For the first eight months of her life, she spent most of that time in hospital. And then every year, this last year is the first time she hasn't been um, checked into hospital. It's unbelievable what God continues to do in her life, continues to heal her and set her free. Over the last year, we've dealt with anxiety and panic attacks where, where only over the last couple of months she's been able to sleep in her own bed for more than a couple of hours, but for a full night. And there's times every now and again that it comes back up, but we say, no, no, Riley, it's your time to claim healing. It's your time to step forward. Don't allow the, the enemy to imitate, uh, imitate you. Imitate. Ima, imitate. It's been a long day. Lots of coffees. Got up at 4.30. Very cold. You know, the brain's just warming up, still defrosting. So um, what was that word again? Thank you in Jesus' name. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. See, church, tonight, the glory of the Lord rises on you. The glory of the Lord rises on you. See, if I was at a church down the road, I'd say the exact same thing. Because it's time as Christians that we stand up and we don't allow the glory of the world to shine on us. We don't allow the glory of a relationship to shine us. We don't allow the glory of a workplace to shine us. But we allow the glory of the Lord to shine upon our lives in Jesus' name. You know, I love a guy um, by, by the name of John Simpson Kirkpatrick. I don't know if you've heard of this man before. But he was over here in Australia and he wanted to get a free ride back to England. It's quite amazing. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching and, and talking about this man. And at, at the end of the service, this old lady came up to me and said, you know what, this morning, you were just talking about my great-great-granddad. I was like, what? That's amazing. But here's this man. Young man wanted to get back to England. So he enrolled into the army. He got on a boat and he started traveling back over to England but didn't realize that the boat was going to stop at Gallipoli. As he got to Gallipoli, he hopped off the shores and he was a, one of the medivac guys that, that he would go out and get the sick people and take them back to the, the hospitals that they had on the shores there. 
You know, they say in 25 days, this man and his donkey, he would work 18 hours a day. He would be up and on the field at sunrise. And as the sun's going down, he would still be out there helping and rescuing people. In 25 days, he rescued 300 people. Until one day, a a bullet ricocheted off a a dead man's helmet and hit him. And he unfortunately passed away. But on his gravesite, on his grave tomb, it said this. He gave his life that others may live. He gave his life that others may live. You know, that's such a challenge for every single one of us. Because every day we walk out into the battlefield. But some days we just just decide to sidestep it. We must go out every single day. Whether it's one person, two people, 500 people, thousands of people, tens of thousands. The number does not matter. But I think that we need to have this upon our heart. Insert your name there. Beck. Gave her life so others may live. Ben gave his life so others may live. Ruth gave her life so others may live. What was your name again, man? I'm so sorry. Mind blank. Zach. Zach gave his life so he could get married to Ruth. Oh, I'm s- Did I just say that? I am so... Oh, man. That, that poncho, man, just, you know, it did... Must... Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, if this is your first time at church, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I'm never going to get invited back. Ever. No, I love it. You're back. Oh, I love in the book of Mark chapter 2 and See, tonight I'm just really trying to stir your faith to realize that it's our time. See, the disappointment that's been holding you back, it's time just to sidestep that, step over it, kick it in the face, push it to the side, whatever you have to do, climb over the top of it. Well, whatever you have to do to step forward into all that God has for you. But in the book of Mark chapter 2, here's this group of men that hear that Jesus is in town and he's come back in and he's preaching and they think, wait a sec, Jesus is in town. Our mate's paralysed. He's at home playing Fortnite. Let's not allow that to happen anymore. So let's quickly run over there. They take a mat. They roll him onto the mat. They drag him along the ground. Now the Bible says they pick him up. They pick him up. They take him to the house. When they get there, the house is so full that there's people all over the front lawn, all over the front balcony, all hanging out the window. See, for a lot of us, we'd go, oh, well, mate, next time. And we'd walk back home, wouldn't we? Because it's too hard. But these four men didn't do that. They said, okay, cool, what are we going to do? They come up with a plan. They make a ladder. They climb up onto the roof. They dig through the roof. I don't know about you, but if Jesus knew everything, which he did, he, he would have known what was going to happen. And he would have like just stepped this way and a tile would have fallen down. He would have stepped this way and a, a light would have fallen down, stepped that way and the air conditioner would have fallen down. But he just kept preaching. And I love what Jesus says because as this man gets lowered down beside him, he doesn't say because of your faith, mate. He doesn't say, well done for getting yourself here on the mat. But he looks up at the four guys and he says, because of their faith. 
you can be healed and set free because of their faith. And I don't know about you, but I'm so challenged about that saying. See, my brothers, they don't know Jesus yet. But because of the faith that I have in Jesus Christ, I'm believing that they're going to get saved in Jesus' name. Just three years ago, uh, my my brother-in-law was leading worship at at, at our church and I was preaching somewhere else. And he sends me this text message while I'm preaching. Hey, I just want to let you know that your mum responded to the altar call today and gave her life to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you today that I've been able to be an example of a, of a loving man that loves Jesus Christ. See, I don't have it all together. I'm just broken. But I just choose what to do with my brokenness each day. I don't give it to a relationship. I don't give it to my work. I, I give it to Jesus every morning. I say, Lord, I'm just broken. But today, if you'd give me one more opportunity, if you could put me back together one more time, I'm yours. He puts me back together puts me back on the right path that he has for me. Yeah. I don't know if you know of her, an evangelist called Catherine Kuhlman, but in the 50s, 60s and 70s did a, amazing things for Jesus. And they say recorded that over 350 people hopped out of wheelchairs in her meetings. She never laid hands on one of them. But because there was so much faith in the room, people would stand up during the service and walk to the altar totally healed and set free. But Catherine Kuhlman, every single day, every single time, if you read her stuff or listen to her preaching, every single time before she hit the stage, every single time before her her feet got out of the bed and hit the ground, she would say this one simple prayer, Lord, anoint me one more time. Because see, sometimes we rely on our experience we had with Jesus six months ago. But see, we can't rely on what happened yesterday. We can't rely on what happened last month. We can't rely on what happened years ago. But we need to ask God every single day to revive us, to renew us, to strengthen us because it's our time. We need fresh anointing every day. It's your time. See your family saved. To see schools won in Jesus' name. So you need to understand this tonight. God, He hasn't anointed you for tomorrow. He hasn't anointed you for next week when you get everything together. He hasn't anointed you for next month or next year or next decade. But He's anointed you now. He has anointed you now. When you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, He anoints you for now. See, two years after I got saved, oh, I got saved in 2001. I did Bible college in, in 2002. And in 2003, I started running the youth ministry. Drug addict two years ago, and then I was running the youth ministry. People are saying, well, well, what's going on here? Has the dude read the Bible? Does he know his theology? Does he do this? Does he do that? And all my pastor said was, wait a sec. God's anointed him. He has a passion to see the lost one. So why don't we give him a go? See, I, I didn't have it all together. I, didn't, I hadn't even read the whole Bible. But God had anointed me. And God has anointed you, church. See, I believe what God anoints. I, I believe God anoints you for His works. He appoints you for now, but He has anointed you for His works. Not for our works, but for His works. He has anointed you to heal the sick. He has anointed you to step out of your comfort zone and pray for people. He has anointed you to to share the love of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we think this, that 
that we, we need to share the love of Jesus Christ like all the preachers that hop behind this pulpit. If they scream, I need to scream at my workmates. Hey, you over there at the desk, you need to get your life right with Jesus or you're going to hell. That, that, that may work. It may. You may get the sack. Just saying. But see, this is what I say all the time. Yeah, I'm a loud person. So I reach people for Jesus my way. But if you're a nerd here tonight, go reach all the nerds for Jesus. If you're quiet here tonight, go reach all the quiet people for Jesus. If you're a book person, start a book club up and start reaching all the people that read books. And write down all the notes you get out of the books and send them to me so I can look smart. Like, like whatever works, but reach people the way God has called you to reach people in Jesus' name. God appoints you for now. God anoints you for His works. And God acknowledges it's your time. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, We all fall short of God's glorious standards. Through His grace, we are accepted. So you know the, the big thing in our life, what we do? Guilty is charged. And I continue, continue to remind myself But for a lot of us here tonight, we look in the rear vision mirror of life. See, if you drive a car here tonight, you don't drive a car looking in the rear vision mirror, do you? Because if you look in the rear vision mirror for too long, you're going to go off the road, the course that's in front of you, and you'll crash the car. And we have too many Christians that are looking over past hurts, past doubt, past disappointments. And they continue to look in the rear vision mirror of life, and they miss out on what God has in front of them. You know, tonight, church, it's, it's time to rip off that rear vision mirror. See, the past is the past. See, my story is my story. Your story is your story. And the truth is your story can reach people to see them healed and set free and changed in Jesus' name. But when we continue to turn back to our story and look at it and say, I should have done this better, I should have done that better, I should have done this better, we actually miss out on all that God has for us. Let's look forward into what Jesus has for us. Don't allow the path behind you to determine the road ahead of you. If you want to stand to your feet for one second, please. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.